Masters Saturday, when we're hitting record on this, it feels like the entire sports world is doing everything but football, and yet here we are on a chilly Saturday afternoon recording, talking about spring ball, we've got hot takes coming, this has I think been a highly anticipated segment, and you guys are in the same room for the first time in a long time, how, how are we doing fellas? It's a great day over here on this side of the Metroplex, great to be in the same room as Garrett, um, and yeah, as the sports world is kind of looking all over the place, baseball, golf, uh, basketball playoffs are about to start. Hockey playoffs are about to start. We're only excited for one of those here in the Metroplex. But um, yeah, it's it's still a great time to be looking at some college football storylines. So it's still a ton to talk about and get us ready for what's fast approaching. It seems like this offseason is surprisingly flying by. I know we're not in the dog days of summer just yet, but it seems like we're getting through it a little quicker this year. Yeah, I was going to say, it's nice having you back on the, uh, the the defending, you know, Big 12, you know, getting into the playoff side of the Metroplex, you know, get getting to go through and the first, you know, Big 12 playoff win, getting you back over here in Tarrant County with those TCU Horn Frogs, who we will talk about a little bit about the spring news and their quarterback situation. But uh, yeah, nice having you back on this side of the Metroplex, Trey. It's good to good to hang out a little bit and do that with you. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great time here in the spring getting to talk about, you know, the Masters. I do have the leaderboard pulled up over here on this second screen of mine so we can kind of check it and see what's going on. But uh, we, we promise we will talk about college football and not too much golf on this episode. But Sam Bennett, man, like and that is true. Jinx check. We're, we're, we're all hyped for Sam Bennett over sure. here. Just getting getting the lowest, I think, lowest amateur score ever through two la- two rounds. Is that right? Uh, I believe since like 1958. So yeah, definitely, so definitely made history. Uh, since the only the presidency made- of Dwight David Eisenhower. We love that, it. That yeah. has not happened then. So, yeah. 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 Well, you know, he said, I think my game's good enough to go and get Brooks Kepka. So as we're recording this, I haven't teed off for the third round yet, but horrific conditions in Augusta. It's going to be kind of must watch television um, <laughs> if you love golf drama. So, yeah, we've, we've all got our second screens pulled up, but. You're here to listen to the 3Tech Pod, which, of course, is a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, all in the same room uh, together. And, and, fellas, we do want to talk some spring storylines. We're going to get to hot takes, um, which a lot of people have have really enjoyed on this show. Uh, Garrett, I think you've really just blazed the trail there. Um, <laughs> but before we get there, we'll talk through some spring storylines. Of course, also thank our partner at University Traditions. University Traditions making some of the best hats that we've ever seen here at the 3 Tech Pod. Uh, they know that you're wanting to rep your school, wanting to rep that that passion, that brand that you fell in love with during your, your early days when you were going to college, but you also want to be able to wear clothes that you can take anywhere. Uh, and so they make hats that just look fantastic. We wanted to partner with them 
Listeners to this podcast can get a special 15% off. Discount your entire order when you use 3Tech15. That's 3Tech15. Uh, they've sent us a number of hats from the College Station Collection, the Knoxville Collection. Garrett, you're wearing the Auburn, Alabama Collection right now. Um, those those white hats with the the different color ropes, depending on you know what school you pick. I mean, just an incredibly classy looking hat. Uh, Trey, you were wearing yours the other day to play pickleball. I mean, obviously very very versatile. So anyway, we would encourage you to go over. And pick those up. We've also uh, picked a winner for our uh, first Knoxville hat giveaway. We will be posting another one coming up. Um, but congratulations to Chase, big Tennessee fan. He's won the Knoxville hat. So shout out to you. That'll be arriving at your doorstep here in just a couple of days. Uh, gentlemen, spring storylines. Little thin, little thin right now. But there are some games that are still happening. So you know, I'll kind of turn this over to you. D- direct this where you where you want. Let's dive in. Yeah, so I think the big thing on the spring storylines right now really just comes down to quarterback battles. That's really the only thing that people write about at a national level right now anyways. Um, if you want the different details about, you know, the third string defensive end who's flashing and camp, you know, we're not the place for that right now. Uh, we'll talk about those players when they become a little bit more relevant in the fall and we start to know how the roster and the two deep is going to shape up. But the big thing that we are noticing going through some of these storylines is just the fact that a lot of the teams that you're traditionally looking at as good, or even last year who had big seasons, turning over a lot at quarterback. And and I think that that's a big, you know, thing that we should really talk about is, you know, we're looking at Ohio State with a quarterback battle. Bama has a quarterback battle. TCU's turning over their quarterback. Not really a battle at the moment. I think Chandler Morris is pretty much the guy right now at TCU. It's, it's kind of a come take the job if you can. Um, and then, you know, Michigan, not necessarily a quarterback battle, but just nothing behind a young J.J. McCarthy. And so starting to look at some of these teams where we have a lot of maybe traditional success or at least success last year. And you're starting to look at this and say, man, some of these teams really got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback or else we're going to see kind of a new wave of, of players coming up, a new wave of teams coming up to compete. Georgia, another one with the quarterback battle, you know, losing sets and Bennett and, you know, have to figure out what's going to come next for them. So really going to be interesting to see how some of these quarterback battles shape up uh, as the spring goes along. And as we get into next season to see how these different teams are going to shake out. Yeah, really it's JJ McCarthy at Michigan and Caleb Williams at USC from the 2022 playoff contenders that are actually returning. So Everybody else, it's pretty wide open. I think we have some penciled in guys. Like I know Carson Beck is pretty much signed, sealed, delivered at Georgia. Um, that that could get interesting if you know some things don't work out. But I think we're pretty confident in that pick. But I think Alabama's wide open. Ohio State, it's probably Kyle McCord, but you know Devin Brown's in the mix too. There, there's some legit question marks. And like you said, Michigan. You know, McCarthy was not. I, I know he won the battle last year from Cade McNamara and uh, forced Cade McNamara to transfer, but I don't think any Michigan fan that's honest would say McCarthy was perfect last year. Like, he, he left some things to be desired, and the lack of depth that they saw, especially in that spring game uh, that Garrett mentioned, was uh, a little bit concerning. So lots of wide-open things. If you thought 2022 was a little chaotic, the beginning of the 2023 season could be a lot of interesting results as these quarterback kinks get worked out. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you know, I think I think the most the most interesting quarterback situation to me comes down to two schools. It's Alabama and it's Ohio State, right? Because both of those programs are always expected to compete for national championships. But I think a lot of people just take it for granted that oh, well those schools will reload. They've always reloaded. Let's be honest, like Nick Saban has that's probably why he's the greatest college coach of all time is because he's made the reloading process look so seamless when in reality, it's just not right. I mean, you have to, to have the level of play, the consistency year in and year out really since 2008, the year after Saban took over, it's a miracle. I mean, it's, it's video game esque, right? Where the ratings are just kind of created in a dome. And then you have that player go out and, and play according to his ratings. He's made the quarterback and, and well, running back uh, turnover before they kind of adopted the new style of offense look just so incredibly easy. This year is kind of the first year in a while that I feel like both of those schools don't, I don't know that their fan bases can look you in the eye and say, yeah, we feel really good about where we are right now because you look up at Ohio State. Kyle McCord, highly touted five-star, but has never seized the reins up there in Columbus, right? He's never really taken the bull by the horns and made a concerted effort to be QB1. He's never really given that coaching staff something to think about when it comes to him. And and listen, CJ Stroud, I, I get it. You're probably not beating him out. But from years past, quarterback competition hasn't even close, right? There's never been that second thought. At Alabama, we saw what Jalen Milrow did last year, and I wrote about this on the Transfer Portal uh, CFB, which shout out to our partners over there. They're doing amazing things. Got a magazine getting ready to come out. It's, it's going to be a, a really, really exciting summer there. Um, but I wrote about that battle uh, down in Tuscaloosa. Jalen Milrow is just kind of the first quarterback who – Maybe in next, you know, may have the ascendancy, but doesn't look like kind of the prototypical first round draft pick that we're accustomed to seeing in the saddle for Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide. Well, and the big thing, too, that I think of there is you mentioned, OK, Kyle McCord hadn't given him any reason really to choose him over C.J. Stroud and, you know, having to figure out, you know, if it's not Jalen Milrow, because I don't think that we think that it is, you know, what are they doing there? That's almost the point, right, is that they've had such clear-cut number one guys for so long that you could look at them and say, okay, this guy is probably an NFL draft pick, This guy, or at least is going to be an NFL draft pick by the time he's finished. This guy, he has the talent to do this. He's going to lead our team. He's going to make sure that you know he makes all the throws. He knows what he's doing on the field. And there have been guys that are definitively behind him, right, that are just definitely quarterback two, definitely quarterback three. Right now – so many of these teams don't have a definite quarterback one. And that's really the issue, right? It's, it's not the same as just, oh, well, it's a quarterback battle, but you kind of have a feeling this guy's going to win. We, we have real question marks about, you know, who's going to end up at the top there. 
And when you look around, yeah, you're right, Mitch. It's been a long time since anyone has really had to go through this at Alabama or Ohio State. You look at some of the names that have gone through there, and you're thinking about, especially at Bama, I think that the you know, last four or five quarterbacks that have started at Bama are all NFL quarterbacks at this point. You know, it's it's, it's not to say that guys like Eli Holstein or, or Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, even if he does win, it's not to say they can't go and be that, but just that right now we're not seeing it. Yeah, and Gary, we looked it up on a previous podcast that you and I were doing together. Other than injury, one or two week substitutions, last time Alabama had a quarterback that is not currently starting uh, in the NFL was 2015. So it's been almost a decade since they've had to deal with something like this and not knowing, you know, for sure what the talent. And Mitch, you mentioned we we got a glimpse of Jalen Milrow. I just don't think that I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> 10 years ago, he might be this like locked and loaded starter at Alabama because they're fine with running the offense to the running backs and just having a bus driver that can move the chains every now and then with a quarterback. But that's not what Nick Saban and Alabama want anymore. And that's not what, you know, they they brought in the change at offensive coordinator. They're, they're not going to want that type of quarterback in my mind. So unless Jalen Milrow has just gone to some QB guru this offseason and really worked, you know, the Johnny Manziel-esque, you know, doing the footwork on the sand in San Diego or whatever. Unless he's been working on that and, you know, really, really improved from what we saw, which is possible. Like, guys do take a big jump from year one to year two, and that was his first legit college action that we saw him in. It's possible that he could take that jump forward, but if he doesn't, then it, it has to be somebody else. It has to be a guy in Ty Simpson who we have never seen in a uh, actual, you know, not garbage time role at Alabama or a true freshman in uh, Eli Holstein or Dylan uh, Laringen that we, uh, that they are just bringing onto campus this, this semester. So it, it's going to be interesting for Alabama. The first time in a long time, they've had a question mark at that position. And obviously they're going to have talent around, obviously that he's going to be throwing to the best wide receivers. He's going to be handing off to the best running backs, but, the turnover this year, and we might talk about this a little bit in our hot take section mm-hmm. here in just a second, it's going to lead a lot of people to believe that Alabama is not going to even make it to Atlanta for the second year in a row. So if you believe in Alabama, if you believe in Nick Saban, there might be some betting value there. I don't know that they'll be the betting favorite to make it to Atlanta, but yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with all that turnover. Well, uh, gosh, the the one game that we saw Milrow start against AM, like the box score doesn't look that terrible because he did throw for three touchdowns. But if you watch that game, Alabama never felt confident about winning that football game, right? I mean, every time Milrow stepped back, you kind of wondered if something was going to go wrong. And that's just, that's just not going to... Um, result in a, in a championship level result um, if he doesn't improve. So I'll tell you what, Tommy, Tommy Reese might be under the gun just a little bit. Uh, this could be a, a, a tough first year assignment. Um, if, if you aren't kind of aware of what's going on around Tuscaloosa uh, elsewhere in the state, Auburn also has a quarterback battle going on TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford. We've talked about that uh, in, in days past and podcasts past. Uh, they have their spring game today. So as you're listening to this, it will have already happened. I'm really curious to see kind of what the reports are there because it seems like Hugh Freeze is going to try and give TJ Finley every possible chance 
to win this job, even though it's it sounds like if you've listened to us with the up tempo podcast, it sounds like the fan base is really kind of hoping for Robbie Ashford to win that battle. So can he can he take that? I don't know. We'll see. Gary, you had also mentioned Michigan's spring game happening. Um, JJ McCarthy is good, but there's just not a ton behind him. That TCU, do they have quarterback depth? Is this you know Chandler Morris's show? And if if he doesn't deliver. What do you do there? Um, any kind of thoughts that stand out from from those? Yeah, my big thing on Michigan right now is, you know, obviously you can't take too much from a spring game. You know, you're you're not going 100%. You're going against guys you see in practice every day. So some guys are going to know your weaknesses anyways. But really the big issue for me is if you look at the quarterbacks behind McCarthy, you've got a transfer from Indiana, Jack Tuttle. He's 6 for 12 with 57 yards and a pick in this game. You also have Davis Warren, who went 8 for 13 with 163 with a touchdown, but also a pick. Neither quarterback, if you were asking anybody who was at that game, really played very well. Um, And, you know, that's, of course, a little bit of an issue. If you're looking at TCU as well, I mean, Chandler Morris, I I looked at something where teams that had played, you know, TCU last year were saying, like, man, you got to hope that you can find a way to, like, you know, get after Duggan and maybe try to see if you can force, because we're not scared of Chandler Morris, right? And, and when they were talking about different teams and, you know, oh, when they were kind of going through that quarterback issue where they weren't quite sure at the very beginning of the year, there were a lot of teams wishing that they bring Chandler Morris back out because they weren't really afraid of him. Now, one year later, one more year in the system, one more year learning, maybe he'll be just fine. But it really does bring some question marks up for TCU, who had a magic season last year, obviously. But, you know, are you expecting him to make it back to the national championship game? I'm not really expecting that. Maybe I'm foolish. You know, maybe they've really got stuff going there in Fort Worth, but I'm not sure that they make it back with Chandler Morris this year. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that they'll reach the ceilings that they did with Duggan because Duggan just had the X factor that carried them over the line. In a lot of those games down the stretch, they played so many close one possession games down the stretch. I'm thinking Baylor. I'm thinking, you know, the big 12 championship where they came up short, but Max Duggan literally almost, stole the Heisman on the last drive of the game. Um, But Morris, I think he's really going to benefit from that system that Dykes is running at TCU. I think not saying that Duggan was a system quarterback or a product of the system, because like I said, he had the X factor that just drugged TCU over the finish line in so many games last year. But Morris is going to put up some numbers more. I'm, I'm not concerned about the offense. I'm way more concerned about the defensive losses yeah. at TCU, especially with some of the early tests. They're going to get a fired up coach prime week one. They're going to get, you know, running the gauntlet in the big 12 with the new additions as well, looking to pick off, a pick off the former champion in their first year in the big 12. So lots for TCU to overcome to try to defend that crown. I think they probably don't come up, you know, with all the magic they had last year, but still have a solid season. Yeah, and one more thing on the Michigan spring game. I just wanted to shout this guy out. Josiah Stewart apparently had a great game coming off the edge. He was the edge defender, transferred in from Coastal Carolina. Had a you know great career there uh, with, with the Coastal Carolina team. But uh, a lot of people were asking, how is he going to transfer into the Big Ten? A lot more physical, right? A lot more can he run stop from the edge and stuff like that. Had a really, really good game. Had one sack, two tackles for loss. A lot of people were really impressed. You know, the quick first step, getting off the ball. So just wanted to shout him out a little bit too. You know, I know personal stories sometimes don't make those national headlines, but pumped for him and pumped to see where he can end up with a very, very good Michigan team, kind of see how that whole thing ends up. 
I think we probably need to return to our stock up, stock down series here in the next couple episodes, just because as we do get more complete notes from spring ball, I think that would be a lot of fun to do. Like Trey's, you're explaining, you know, TCU, what they've got to face. A lot of people, I think, have them at least trending still in the right direction. I don't think anyone's going to take them to make the playoff again, but I think a lot of folks expect Mm -hmm. them to, to maybe run the new Big 12 I think I'm actually stocked down on TCU, despite all the five-star transfers. What do they have as far as continuity? That's that's my concern um, for the Horned Frogs. So I think this year they could be ripe to take a big step back. We'll see. Uh, a, a lot left to unfold there. Um, all right, guys, let's go ahead and get into this hot takes segment. We've had it uh, requested by people. Again, you know, it's it's always something fun that we do. Garrett has, has really led the charge over our first season as a podcast there. But what I wanted to do here, given the fact that, listen, there's a lot of nitty gritty spring ball notes that we don't necessarily want to dive into right now because they just don't, it doesn't really mean much. But what we can do is blow this up, potentially out of proportion and make (laughs) declarative statements that we can now round table. So what I'm going to do is as we walk through these, I'll just throw out a statement. And then you guys kind of evaluate if it's if it's valid or not. We'll roundtable it. I think it'll be a good time. So let's start off the top with part 74 in our Pac-12 media rights saga. Yes, you I thought mean, you were getting away from it. You can't escape Pac-12 media rights drama. The right. days of our Pac-12 lives. We are here. It, it, well, exactly. I was going to say, you know, by the, by the time the season rolls around, we're going to be on like season 24 of uh, <laughs> of this, it's 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 the Gray's Anatomy um, of, <laughs> of college football news, and if it goes the way that we're thinking it's going, it'll be right at home with other soap operas and terrible dramas. Pac-12 <laughs> will sign with CW and seal their fate as the last place Power Five conference. That's our first hot take. Has not has not happened. To give you context, there is news coming out that. They are leaning towards CW um, and potentially joining Live Golf as the other live sporting event over on that network. But as The Athletic reported, a number of other, of other sources reported, their deal has now been delayed once again, expected now late spring, early summer. Stu Mandel. Coming any day, guys. It, it will be here very, very soon. Don't you worry. It, no. It's in the mail. Yeah, It'll... Arizona says it's coming any day, and it's great, okay? It's so much better than you guys. Yeah, well, so the, uh, Stu Mandel said several Pac-12 presidents had recently said a deal was imminent. The source he talked to said those comments were, quote, overly optimistic. In <laughs> so, gentlemen, the Pac-12 is going to sign with CW, according to our hot take, and it will seal their fate as the last place Power 5 conference from a media rights standpoint, from a kind of ascendancy standpoint. I would say they're going to be kind of laughed at, looked down upon after this deal takes place. What say you? Here's the thing. it On the surface, this looks laughable. There's a lot of jokes that write themselves. The CW has not been a player in the sports era. They've been more One Tree Hill and Riverdale. Uh, Flash and Riverdale. Yeah, and reruns of Smallville. Reruns of Smallville. All, all the classics. But... It's better than Ion. I, I, I think that objectively we can say that more people have heard of the CW than have heard of Ion. Sure. Um, and it really, you know, 
just to play devil's advocate here, it depends on the number. Because if the CW, I'm not saying this is likely, I'm not saying this is, you know, in the full realm of possibility, but let's say the CW says, we want to enter the college football space and we're going to actually invest in that product and make it a competitive product. The Pac-12 has not had someone that valued them in their media rights discussions in a long time. They have, they're getting punted to 11 PM Eastern time, start times. A lot of times they're getting, we've highlighted on here how the fan bases are frustrated with the quality of, you know, camera, the quality of stream that they're getting from a technological investment standpoint, they would be the only football show on the CW. And again, it, it does <laughs> do the jokes write themselves when the pregame show is going to be followed or led into immediately by a one tree hill rerun. Absolutely. That, that the jokes write themselves there, but I will say it, you can only be cautiously optimistic if you're a Pac-12 fan at this point. So I think the cautious optimism would be, Hey, the CW Let's see what that number is. Let's see what number they're offering. Because if they say, hey, we want to really invest, I, I'll i confess I have not watched any of the live coverage. I've heard it's, you know, not not bad. Like, it's not, you know, laughable coverage from what I've seen people talking about. I haven't personally the ratings that are laughable. The ratings are laughable, but that's not on the CW. I don't think <laughs> that's on chat. Yeah, we can get off the rails in a live discussion. We won't go there, but... Yeah, you got to be cautiously optimistic, I feel like. If this number comes out and it's respectable, (laughs) got to roll with it. And I think you just make lemons out of lemonade at that point. Yeah, I mean, look, we were talking about, so far in the saga of the Pac-12, we've been talking about the idea that this would be a streaming-only option for Pac-12 schools, that maybe only some schools get picked up, other schools might be completely unbroadcasted, and just, you know, how are are they going to find that out? The fact that they're able to get onto a network is at least positive momentum, right? That's at least positive. Now, yeah, we said One Tree Hill too many times. A lot more golf on this episode than we probably ever have on this podcast. But yes, there's, of course, jokes that go along with it. But I think this would be a good thing for the Pac-12, considering just about every single option so far has shot them down. And they'll try to frame it how they want to frame it. They're going to want to say, oh, well, we just weren't going to take something that you know, we, we didn't feel good about or that we didn't think was a good deal. They were shot down by every single network that had a real sports infrastructure built into it. The fact that CW wants to build that and the fact that they want to take on the Pac-12, and you're right, make them kind of their darling, right? And say, oh, the Pac-12, this is our darling. We're going to roll with it. I think that's a good thing overall for the Pac-12. In terms of hot takes, I mean, obviously, I know that it was, you know, sort of leaked that this is happening from The Athletic. Still a little bit of a long shot, maybe for most people. I think this is a great hot take. I'm, I'm going to say hot take approved on this one. I feel real good about this. Um, and yeah, I think that's great. And I will say, okay, are more eyeballs going to be on the Pac-12 on the CW or the Pac-12 network? It's the CW. It's probably the CW, right? yeah. Oh, because sure. Access. Yeah, and they're going to be on at better times. They're not going to be relegated to the automatic late kick. Like if they were with Fox... It's going to be a Big Ten or a Big 12 game at 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. And at the CW, they might get an 8 p.m. Eastern kick uh, more often than not because it's going to be the only show in town on that channel. So, again, we got to see the terms. We got to see the numbers. But I think it can be respectable. And if they can figure out, I think the best way for them to do this would be to figure out some sort of like 
almost like the NFL does it where there's like a coverage map of these local CW stations will have this Pac-12 game. Yeah. Especially if you look in the future with the addition of SMU maybe or some other team in the central time mm-hmm. zone. I think that just opens up more possibilities for them to kind of transition away from that albatross of the Pac-12 network that nobody can watch. Boy, that that news blurb feels feels like it's just died, right? SMU and, U, uh, and UNLV. Yeah, UNLV. San Diego I, State. I'm sorry, San Diego yeah, State, not yeah. UNLV. I don't know why I had the... That would be fun. Uh, yeah, Legion State, UNLV, yeah. yeah. That would that'd be fun. I'd that take would, it. That would be fun. Uh, Barry yeah. Odom getting in on the ground floor of a great, <laughs> what did, great investment. What did Barry know? What, did, <laughs> what, what information what was he... What did Petrino not know? <laughs> um, all right, second hot take. And we talked about this just a smidge a moment ago. Alabama will finish second place in the SEC West... Again, I think there's a number of reasons why this is maybe not the hottest of takes. We talked about the quarterback situation, but also there's just stock up across a number of teams in the SEC West. LSU kind of chief among them. For me, I think LSU is kind of the betting favorite to to win the SEC West again. And then you've got obviously the Mississippi schools that are making making noise as bad as Texas A&M was last year. I think there is a lot of reason to, to think that the Aggies can, can be very, very solid um, in, in 2023. But I don't know, guys. I mean, this is kind of the most – last year I declared 2022 as the Nick Saban revenge tour, and that didn't exactly go off without a hitch. This year, I don't know that I would, that I would make that statement. Every team in the SEC West, I'm going to take this a step further. Every team in the SEC West is going to have at least two losses in conference play this year. Oh, my. And it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Everyone's going to beat each other up. And that includes the teams that were penciling in at the top in LSU and Alabama. I think there's just so many. No, There's not going to be a dominant team in the SEC West next year. I don't think that you're going to look at any team, including the defending champion LSU Tigers, and say – that they're a team that can run that gauntlet and can get through that division schedule unscathed. So it's not going to be pretty. Like it's not going to be something that we looked to in the past where it looks like, Oh, there's all these dominant teams. I think the perception is going to take a hit, but it might not necessarily be an accurate, you know, take to say that the sec West is down, even if they all have two or more losses, I think they're just all going to beat up on each other. And Alabama's going to be right in the middle of that. I think they're going to take their lumps maybe early, on in that conference schedule, like Garrett's pulling it up on the side screen over here. They've got their first three conference games are Ole Miss at Mississippi State and at Texas A&M before home against Arkansas, home against Tennessee, home against LSU. That, and then at Kentucky. And then at well. Kentucky with Devin Leary, a guy that we thought was a dark horse Heisman candidate last year. So, yeah. and got, it, I don't see fewer than two losses on that schedule. Yeah, and in addition to that, obviously, I know we're talking about conference play, but you got to look at that early game against Texas too. In the terms of their national, you know, appeal. Look, when you're when you're playing any team of quality and you don't have a quarterback you can rely on, it's honestly a toss up. Like we've seen it every single week where there's a better team, but their quarterback's not a hundred percent, or he's not, you know, absolutely that guy. And if that quarterback comes out and plays bad, all of a sudden that team is no longer in a conference race, right? That team drops the game, they're out, they're done. And when you talk about that schedule, I mean, obviously we know they play the SUS, but 
at Texas A&M, last time they visited there, they walked out with a loss. Versus Tennessee at home, right? They they lost to them last Give year. Give me Joe Milton over any of the quarterback options at Alabama for sure. right now. And then you got to go talk about LSU at the beginning of November. This is this is not an easy game for them. LSU always plays Bama hard. That This is always a tight game. This always seems like it comes down to the very end of the game. You know, LSU, they're, they're better than them last year. And then, yes, again, at Kentucky. So there's a lot of possible losses in there. I'm not predicting all those games as losses for Bama, but I think you have to look at that. And even as an honest Alabama fan, you have to be able to look at that and say, okay, I don't feel 100% about all of those, right? Even if you start, you, you beat Texas at home. Let's say you beat Ole Miss at home, go to Mississippi State. You're, you're walking into College Station at a, at a crisp 5-0, and right? You still are thinking about, okay, are there two losses in there somewhere between A&M, Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, even at Auburn at the end of the season, right, with, with you know, who knows what we're going to get at a freeze? There's a lot of question marks in the middle of there for there. So I'm not necessarily saying Bama can't do it, but I'm just saying I don't feel confident in that at all. If you had to tell me, in most years, if you told me Bama to win the SEC West versus the field, I'm probably picking Bama. This year, I'm taking the field easily 100%. because I, I just I don't know what we're going to get out of LSU, out of Auburn, out of even Arkansas, A&M. Any of those teams could jump up and grab one or two games from them. And then it just depends on how the schedule breaks for everybody else. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's press pause right now. I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Let's say, let's say it's Simpson. Let, let, let's just throw in Simpson as the odds-on favorite to win this quarterback job. Where does he rank in the SEC West as far as quarterbacks go? Because I think Jefferson, he's probably slightly below him from just a skins on the wall standpoint. Right. Uh, who knows what we're going to get at Mississippi State? Uh, but yeah. Ole Miss has a ton of talented guys coming in. Connor yeah. Wegman flashed really well at Texas A&M. Daniels at LSU is dynamic. It, it's all going to pin. If Simpson, you know, all this could go out the window if Ty Simpson or whoever wins that job is just the next Tua Tagovailoa or Bryce Young. But neither, none of these guys that they brought in were as heralded coming in as no. any of the last three quarterbacks that they mm-hmm. had. Honestly, Simpson's probably only for sure better than the guy at Auburn and the guy at Mississippi State, probably. Right, because obviously Mississippi State, they've got a whole other situation with turning over staff, obviously, and and with you know Leach and you know with their quarterbacks turning over. Like, there's a lot of question marks in Starfield that don't really have anything to do with their program. Well, Will Rogers is back, isn't he? Is he is back, he back year? for year ten? <laughs> it seems like he's been there forever. That's why I just assumed he was gone. No, Will Rogers is back. Might be back for another year. Okay, so if Will Rogers, <laughs> well, there is back, you go. Yeah, that's another. He's still probably better than whatever Ty Simpson is. Um, I, I still think whoever wins that Ole Miss battle is probably better than Ty Simpson just right now, um, whether, whether Simpson, it is Sanders or Howard. Ty Simpson could prove us wrong, right? But, like, yeah. Spencer Sanders yeah. has the skins on the wall. I'm just saying game one. Yeah, absolutely. Game one right now, you're probably looking at, I mean, Daniels and Jefferson for sure, probably Wigman, and probably, 
um, either Spencer Sanders or Walker Howard are all better than me, and definitely uh, Will Howard as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm kind of thinking, I'm kind of thinking through this. I don't know that he's he might be the sixth best in the division just starting off the year. And, and of course, he could play well, but he might be sixth best in the division. If you got the sixth best quarterback in your division, you typically don't win your division. And well, yeah, and yeah. all the Ty Simpson could prove us wrong very quickly, right? But just skins on the wall right now. I'm really excited to see them in their spring game for this, just how these quarterbacks look. But skins on the wall right now, you have to be concerned. Yeah. Nothing like that. I completely agree. Concern is, is a great way to describe this. Let's head on over to the Big 12 for a couple of hot takes. Feel free to package these however you would like. We've got Baylor will roar back to life in the Big 12 in 2023. And Texas Tech will make it to Arlington this next season. Rate those, dissect them. How close are those to being true? Are we saying there's a butt bowl in Arlington for the championship? <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm high on Texas Tech. I'm the captain of the Texas Tech hype train at this moment. And it, I, I just love what they're building up there. And maybe saying they'll make it to Arlington is setting my expectations a little too high for this year. But I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. You look at how they beat both of the proverbial top programs in the Big 12 last year in year one under Joey Mack. And I think the offense is only going to get better. They're recruiting really well. They're bringing in talent to that program. They do have some tricky uh, non-conference games. I think they host Oregon mm-hmm. this year. Are they at Oregon? Uh, they're, they're also opening at Wyoming. So that could be a tricky, you know, anytime a power five team travels to a G5 team, I circle that one on the calendar. But neither of those are conference games. So even if they dropped both of those, they could still theoretically make it to Arlington. But I don't know. I On Baylor... I, I know I've been the Baylor hater on this show since its inception, <laughs> practically. I still need to see it. I need to see the dynamic playmakers in the offense because I look at who they brought in. I look at, you know, the transition of the roster from last year to this year. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know where that explosive playmaking is going to come to win those games in conference when you have a Texas putting up points, when you have an Oklahoma putting up points. <laughs> When you have a Texas Tech putting up points on your defense, you need those dynamic playmakers to keep up. I just don't know. I, I just don't know that I am ready to say that they're going to overcome those problems that they had last year. So on Baylor, Mitch, I think this was yours with them roaring back to life. Are, are we are we saying that they're like in conference championship? talks are they are they bigger on the national scale no like, no no, no just just conference i i don't know how you could project baylor to be a, a national player right now um but a six and six skid i believe they lost four or five straight it did not end well well um, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule and so they play utah at home for their second game. they have a warm-up <laughs> with texas state no offense texas state um, shout out San Marcos. Yeah, shout out San Marcos. Um, but they play Utah at home. I would probably write that in as a loss just to start. I know that I'm a Utah homer and that worked out great last year. But, you know, I, I still think that that's probably a loss for Baylor just off the bat. You play the Texas Longhorns at UCF, which is never a fun place to play if you're the opposing team. And then at home against Texas Tech, 
So, yeah, you get those, those two, Texas and Texas Tech at home. I don't know that they go better than one and two in those two games. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying there's a couple of tough games for them there. Um, that, is the first, that is the first uh, home game for UCF in the Big 12, too. That's the oh first boy. Big 12 game. Oh, so it'll, you know, another ho-hum day in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be breaking anything yeah, in I'm here. Sure everyone, <laughs> everyone will behave. Well, and but then they have to go to Cincinnati. Iowa State, obviously, is a game there. Houston, and then at Kansas State and at TCU, the two teams that were just in Arlington last year. Look, I'm not saying that Baylor can't have a good season. I, I think I might hot take disapprove on this one. Um, it's, it sure is a hot take. I don't know that I can go with you on, on the, the fact that they'll be back in conference consideration. They might be better, but it may also not show up on the scoreboard that they are better. You know, I, I think that might be a better team and just run into too many really good teams along the way. I, I still think Kansas state's going to be really big, uh, next year. I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, and then, you know, obviously with Cincinnati and UCF coming into conference, that's a tough couple of new guys to play. If you're, if you're the Baylor bears. I, I do agree. I think this is one of the hotter takes because the, <laughs> the path to even having an eight and four season, not, not extremely visible right now. Like you got to trim, trim back. It's a little overgrown, right? You got to trim back the hedges. Right. Maybe, hey, I mean, hey, maybe remove a fallen log or two. Um, shout out Augusta. Thank goodness nobody was hurting that last night. Um, yeah, you, I think, I think you, Service crews are are in route, right? They've they've got to clean up the pass sure. if if Baylor's going to get there. But that being said, nobody saw TCU coming this year, right? That's we didn't even have them in a bowl game. So, and if there's a coach I trust to do it, I trust Dave Aranda. He's a good coach, right? He he does a lot of good stuff there. He he gets his teams. I feel like he gets the most out of his team. So if the talent's on the roster, Dave Aranda's going to get it there. I'm not sure that the talent's there. I'm not sure that they have all the guys that can make that happen, but I trust Dave Aranda to get it done. All right. So let's talk about that because if they go six and six again this year, I'm just throwing that out there. Six and six, seven and five range. Does that start to question that perception of Dave Aranda? Because I know we have the magical year a couple years ago where they make their run to the Big 12 title, but. I, I don't know. Like we've t- we've talked about on this show before, how time and time again these coaches have one magical year, and we kind of pencil in our brains like, oh, that's a great coach. But after that magic year is gone, what happens? You know, that's why I'm not fully in on Dykes just yet. See, I think for Baylor, the issue is their big team was so senior heavy, and there were so many guys that ended up leaving that team, and that's why yeah. I mean, both of us didn't think they were going to do that well last year. And ultimately, that ended up coming true. I think the big thing that I'm looking at for Baylor is can they stack a little bit more experience, stack that culture, let that culture really get in there. And and hopefully with a little bit more experience coming in with a little bit more of those guys um, with some with some actual experience, some, you know, tread on the tires, you know, hopefully we can actually, you know, see what we saw a couple years ago as opposed to last year. I think for I think for Randa. I'm more likely to say this is a commentary on his ability to recruit and that's what value, I mean. That's value what I mean. the transfer portal, right? I mean, now recruiting high school players, I think he's solid at. There's, you know, Baylor's never been amongst the recruiting elite, um, but they've found 
ways to extract as much value out of them as, as they can. I know for a fact, though, Aranda is not in on NIL. He does not like it. He, um, I, I wouldn't say that he discourages it, but players have a sense that, well, I probably shouldn't be doing this because I, I don't know that coach would approve, right? That's a little concerning in this age where, look, I, I'm not saying that your coach has to be in full support of NIL, but if if recruits get the sense and transfers get the sense that, oh, well, if I come and think, you know, hey, there's some other well, Dave isn't going to support me, you know, getting what I want. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You know, I think that made it that much easier for, for Novasad, Austin Novasad, the four star to flip to Oregon, where Oregon is like, hey, man, here are all the opportunities at the home of Nike to line your pockets and play championship caliber football. To me, the charm of Waco then can can wear off a little bit when when you're given that other choice. So I do think something's going to have to change a little bit in the way that Baylor views NIL and how they support it if they're going to stay relevant. Um, I think he's a good coach. I, I just don't know if maybe they're allowing the deck, uh, the deck excuse me, to stack against them a little bit quicker than it might for some other schools that have been relevant. I will say this. You said the charm of Waco wears off. There's not a lot of charm in that city anyways. So sorry to any of our listeners. The construction on 35 is pretty much done. done. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've been through there recently. It's There's not a lot of charm in that city. If you don't talk about the silos where Chip and Joe hang out or whatever, there's not a whole lot in that city. I know Common Common Grounds is good, right? The, The creamery right next to it is good, right, where you have the ice cream. That's good. No issues there. Most of that town is a little bit, little bit uh, dilapidated. I think Gary got engaged in that city. I and did, he, and he's saying did. that. Yeah, I was gonna look. Say I'm, mar- I'm married. To a, I'm married to a Baylor Bear. Okay, I, I get it. I've been to that city plenty. Uh, there's a couple of special spots there, and outside of those couple of special spots, uh, it's a, it's a forgettable town. Forgettable town to hang out in. Shout out Shorty's Pizza. That, that's that's a good. Hey, you're actually kind of right. Shorty's is pretty good too. Um, <laughs> listen, I. I'm worried with Dave Rand, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, but he kind of reminds me of, this is a really niche reference that maybe our audience won't remember, but when Mike Sherman was the head coach at A&M, the rival fan base has just really joked about him being the three-star general. And I think that he was great at finding diamonds in the rough recruiting. Like that was his specialty. Some of the best players in A&M history were three stars that Mike Sherman found. But the numbers speak for themselves when you look at just who gets to the league, who puts people over the top. It's those elite guys. They're going to want that NIL money. So I'm concerned about, you know, that, that perception of the program building and recruiting circles. Last little bit on the city of Waco. My wife just texted me from the other room saying to watch my mouth. Um, so I, I will politely watch my mouth. Waco, you're amazing. You're wonderful. I have nothing bad to say about you whatsoever. So sorry. Apologies profusely. Strike, strike the last five minutes from the record. <laughs> um, all right, let's finish up with this one. Cause I'm, I'm really curious to get your, your take on it here. Phil Longo and Wisconsin's air raid offense will set the stage for big 10 West domination in the years to come. Hotter I... hot take or not. Hot take approved, man. Let's go. Like, right I, here too, yeah. I think, okay, you look at teams coming out of nowhere to make a run at the college football playoff. Like, right here on April 8th, Wisconsin might be my pick to be the 2023 TCU. Because really? in year one, they have the, if, if anybody's going to do it, 
coming out of the Big Ten West, now they do have, as we're pulling up the schedule right here, they do have a game against Ohio State in the regular season. That's going to be tough. Talk about Ohio State having a new quarterback situation, though. They're in the right division to make it a run. Their other crossover opponents are Rutgers and uh, Indiana, it looks like. So I'm not scared of either of those two teams. Personally, they don't have me shaking in my boots. They have a tough non-conference game against Washington State. But Tanner Mordecai coming in to run that offense year one, the dude already knows the offense. Like You're not going to have to train him this spring. He's going to be getting everybody else up to speed, acting like another coach. And he already knows what he's doing in a very similar system to what he ran at SMU, not just last year, but um, in years past with Dykes as well. It's Obviously, each coach has their own wrinkles, but it's going to be a very, very similar system to what Mordecai's run his entire collegiate career. We saw the numbers that he put up at SMU. I'm really excited. I know usually when teams have this transition from old school ground and pound offenses to up-tempo offenses, there's usually a tough transition, but I think Wisconsin is really poised for a special season this year and could really surprise a lot of people. And I love Fickle as a coach as well. I think he's gotten to the playoff before. I'm not saying locked and loaded, go place your bets that Wisconsin makes the playoff, but if I had to put a team on watch to do what TCU did and come out of nowhere, for me right now in April, that's Wisconsin. Well, and Wisconsin has more success in conference traditionally, yeah. so it doesn't take a, a massive leap to get them to the playoff. It all it takes is saying, "Hey, is anyone on you know the, the other side of the conference? Are they going to really scare you?" And we've talked about Penn State possibly being a dark horse, you know, and how Ohio State's maybe down a little bit, Michigan maybe not all they're cracked up to be from previous years. But look, if you're looking at the schedule, you got Purdue, Rutgers, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, which that game is at Camp Randall. So massive win for them to be able to get that game at home. Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, finishing off with Minnesota. Not a lot of those teams really, really scare me on this on the uh, schedule. And I mean, if we're being honest, this is plenty talented of a team with a whole different type of look. And last year we kind of coined this division, the shadow realm. Um, it's not a stretch to say that they want to at least get to their championship game with the talent that's leaving that division with some of the turnover I'm thinking at Nebraska with Matt rule, obviously, you know, great coach, typically not a good year one. Um, and just some of that stuff going on, Iowa probably still not going to be able to score any points. Um, and so, you know, if you're, if you're looking at, you know, just optimistically, I think you can say that Wisconsin is definitely a player to get to their conference championship game. And then you just have to ask, are they getting past whoever makes it there? Sure. I think they're probably plenty talented to get there and win that game. And if they're winning the Big Ten, they're probably making the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I think a playoff berth for Wisconsin is very much on the table. Um, I think it'll be either Wisconsin or probably Penn State that makes it to that game. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited to see what comes out of this with a little bit of parity here in the Big Ten. I thought I was having a hot take just saying that they're setting the stage in year one for Big Ten West domination. Sounds like you guys both have them already winning it, you know, hand them the trophy. Yeah, write them in Sharpie marker into your playoff bracket, Ow. basically. That's what we're oh, – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, no, but they'll be competitive. They'll be really, really good. Yeah. They, they have not had an offensive backfield this talented since Russell Wilson was there. That's probably I, I think true. that's fair that's to say. Tanner true. Mordecai and Braylon Allen are going to be reminding a lot of fans up there of yeah. the days of Russell Wilson. And who Was it Monty Ball that yeah. was there with Russell Wilson? Yeah, yeah. Like – just think, and that was a dynamic offense running a more old school offense. Now 
putting those athletes in space against a slower Big Ten West defense is like, I don't know, man. I I think we're going to see a lot of breakaway touchdowns. We're going to see a lot of quick strike offenses in Wisconsin. I I think they're back. I think they're back to being the class of that division. And then, like you said, anything can happen on Mm -hmm. a Saturday that they're in the championship game. I think it is going to be wildly entertaining up in Camp Randall. Um, Listen, like the football has not really been entertaining over the last couple of years, but it hasn't mattered for Wisconsin because they've been able to hand it off to insert, you know, four-star running back that's really, really good and will go to the league. And that's how they've won. And then, you know, a smothering defense. This year, I don't really know yet what their defense is going to look like, but the fact that you're going to have Tanner Mordecai you know, spreading it out five wide in, in just truly, like I mentioned earlier, you know, kind of video-esque, video game-esque qualities. Like this is going to be when you go and take over a two and 10 team, change everything about their playbook. And then suddenly, suddenly, you know, you're winning a conference championship game. It's got kind of those vibes for Wisconsin. And I'm really excited yeah. to watch them this upcoming season. Uh, I think there's just going to be so much, to take away so much to build upon. And then they've got, you know, a coveted four-star quarterback coming in from the Woodlands uh, for the 2024 class. He was sold on the vision from Longo and Fickle. So a quarterback at Wisconsin might suddenly be a position of strength for them. Uh, As Graham Mertz goes out, he's Florida's problem now. And, uh, you know, you've got guys that can really throw the, throw the rock. I'm, I'm excited to watch that. Um, any other kind of closing thoughts before we we round out here, gentlemen? Um, I think the Americans going to be really fun to watch this year. And I think that some people might be looking over it with the teams that are leaving, but you still got SMU, Tulane, East Carolina, teams that were threatening for 10 wins last year. You've got UTSA, who hot take is my pick to win that mm-hmm. conference in year one. So if you're looking for a G5 league to follow, I think the American is still the class and it'll still be really entertaining. Yeah, and on UTSA front, they do have a game at Neyland Stadium, uh, so it'll be a lot of fun to see them go play Tennessee, see if they can't give them a little bit of a run for their money. Joe Milton, Frank Harris, man, sign. That'd be a game to watch uh, right that's, there. That's awesome. Yeah, sneaky good quarterback matchup of maybe feature of the week. Um, that, that'll that be a great game. All right, well, gentlemen, let's wrap that up. Let's get back to watching the Masters. Uh, as you're listening to this on Monday morning, gosh, I hope we don't have to have a Monday finish. Uh, I haven't checked the, the forecast there, but... I'm fine with a Monday finish. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got such a busy Monday. You're not the first person to say that, and I've got such a busy Monday, I wouldn't be able to watch. So I'm rooting for a traditional yeah. Easter finish. But um, anyway, we'll see. Hopefully... Hopefully we can all rejoice in Masters Golf. Baseball going on as well. It's a fun time to be a sports fan. Uh, But that'll do it for us. For Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 